Jim, don't you have online chat for Car Machine and Tool? As a matter of fact, we do. And, you know, John just mentioned to me the other day that somebody was chatting with him online. I'm like, great. That's all millennials want to do, right? Yeah, and that's why Zometry has it as well. I know. It's fantastic. You can just go right to the thing. If you have a question, just go right to the chat box, type in your question, and they can answer it for you right away. Yeah, there's a little box that says help with a bubble. Type your questions in there, and away you go. Go to Zometry.com, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, JC, Jim Carr. That's a good acronym. You like that, Jim? I do. Jay-Z and JC? I do. I like that a lot. And we're here at MXD. Yeah, I know. Formerly DMDII. Oh gosh, I know all these acronyms. Too many letters. Yeah, but I do feel at home, and it's it's. And guess what we're going to talk about? NIMS. NIMS. Yeah, I know another acronym. We'll have to find out what that means. Yeah, from our guests. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. There's going to be a lot of good, valuable information there. But before we go there and introduce our guest. It is good to be here at MXD. I feel like we're home. This is this is truly our home. This is our studio. We've been recording here for years. They're great people. They're all about equipping and inspiring the metalworking community who we're talking yeah, to Yeah, they're today. solving manufacturing problems Absolutely. here. They're doing research and getting the government and private business it's all positive. It's all positive stuff. Problems. It's, yeah. all, it's all great. And kudos to them for having such a beautiful space and putting manufacturing in, in a better light. Yeah. I mean, I just heard the other day, and this is not our manufacturing news, just a side note. Apparently, we just unveiled this new aircraft carrier that is just a engineering marvel. It is just like gigantic and it is run by like less people and it has so much energy creation. However, they do that on one of these aircraft carriers that is just mind-blowing apparently. And that required some manufacturing and that required some collaboration between private business and government. And it's always interesting to hear about how those two come together. I'm always like a kind of a minimalist government kind of guy, but it is good when you see the fruits of when these two sides work together because we need them both. I agree. So Jim... I know you need to hire people. I do. You can't just hire any random person, can I you? I can't. No, you gotta, Well, I mean... I mean, you got to hire somebody that's going to help you make parts and take care of your customers. Since you asked... I didn't ask anything yet. I just made a statement. Well, you know, you asked if I'm looking for people. No, just, well, you I told you me. Are. You yeah, told you me are looking for people. Yeah. What's, what's the, the criteria? criteria for those people? Well, that first you're and for? foremost, they have to align with our core values. If okay. they are not aligned with our core values from the get go, I only hire to that. That's okay. the very well, first thing. We're not thing. talking about culture today. I get that. What's, I know. What's the other thing? Well, they have to have some mechanical aptitude. They have okay. to show me that they're passionate about the industry, they understand it, and they want to have a career in. In this industry. Okay. That they, they, they get excited things. about manufacturing. They get it, they want it, and they have the capacity to do it. Right. Okay. And GWC. then beyond that, they, you know, mechanical aptitude, they need to know how to do math. They need to, you well, know, really basic. want to create things. I think that they need to have good computer skills and good mechanical aptitude. If I was hiring a kid right out of high school, a student, I should say, right out of high school, I would say that the person that would be ripe for a position in our shop would be somebody from the autos class, somebody that's had some CAD CAM 
Okay, so drafting. now you're getting a little more manufacturing Yeah, maybe specific. that they were in the shop class. Somebody that has hands-on experience like that and, and likes that. Because let me tell you, not everybody is a college-bound, right? And not right. everyone should have to go to college. Some people have hardships that they can't send their kids to college. And quite frankly, college is not for everybody. Yeah, and you don't have to go to college to be successful, you don't. a successful manufacturing leader or a successful machinist. You just need to have some of those things that you just mentioned, like the passion. And you know what? We're going to talk to the leader of the most popular credentialing organization in the metalworking industry. And it's I'm been around ever since I yeah. heard, and I've been around for a long time. Yeah. So, yes. So, I, I don't want to ask you about car, and you don't have to ask me about Zengers. But the one, well, we're just not going to talk about that right now. But what I, I do want to talk about is... You don't want to talk gonna, about yourself? No. Okay. Are you getting a little excited about IMTS? It I seems am. like it's a little bit closer, isn't it? What well, are you most excited it's, about? It's less than one year away. It's less than a Well, no. Yes, it is. Is it less than a year? It's okay. mid-September. Okay. It's September okay. 12th. We're about there. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a little bit less than one year. You're a right. A little less than one yeah. year. So what are you most excited about? And I'll tell you what I'm most excited about. Working with AMT and IMTS and promoting their oh, show. Oh, making next, chips? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I'm, I'm okay. excited about that because we had a great collaboration with them in 2018. And it was great working with them and just getting the word out about the show. And then I think too- And about um, IMTS. And about IMTS. And always great to see the new equipment and the Mm -hmm. new technology that's going to be there. And I think what we can do as manufacturers when we show up at IMTS 2020 is to see how the industry is evolving, how it's changing. What are the paradigm shifts? What's the new thing? So I'll tell you about that. Automation, robotics. I'll I'll tell you about So that what I'm most excited about is that one of the themes, or I'll talk about two of the themes of this next IMTS is going to be the community. And we've talked about that. And then also one of the other big things that you're going to see from a technology standpoint is going to be the connectivity of the machines. So that's going to be a huge part of this upcoming IMTS, which we've always been talking about as the digitization. And so now we're going to be talking about just how those machines are really going to be communicating with each other in like a in a digital format. You that's bet. going to be very popular. I look forward to hearing about it, quite frankly. So you got any manufacturing news from my friend? I do. So the the title of this manufacturing news article is Rockford Rescue Mission offers new manufacturing training program. And basically what it gets into is that in order to rescue, is it a pet rescue? Very (laughs) funny, Jim. I don't know. So no, it's associated with helping people and giving them a second chance in life. Mm. Part of what they're doing is that they're offering on-site training programs to fill a huge need in specifically in the Rockford community. And they're helping these individuals not only get their GED, but also using NIMS training programs in order to move them forward in a career in manufacturing because apparently this organization was getting a lot of phone calls asking if there was people that would be applicable to to work in the manufacturing industry. So they had an aha moment, a light bulb went off and they said, you know, we should start maybe getting a little manufacturing specific with what we do. And I know that there's an organization called Bethel New Life and they do a similar thing. I know, you're involved with that, right? Yeah, and and their program is a little more developed and robust and stuff like that, it seems, although I don't know a lot about this Rockford program. Maybe our good friend and partner, Nick Goldner, knows about yeah, that. Let's program. go visit him when we, yeah. next time we're out in Rockford. I would love that. Yeah. We need to do more of that. Yeah. 
we more need road to do trips. More. You're all about the road trips. No, aren't you? I think we need to know more about giving back to the community, especially the local idea. community. I and I think it's really important because totally. you know we've been blessed with a good life, and yep. I think that if we can encourage and guide people into this industry, they can have a successful career that can take care of them for the rest of their life. Yep, absolutely. And so they're doing this with the Rock Valley College Tech Works in order to provide a certificate of completion for these individuals, and like I said, giving them a a new lease on life, a second chance. That's all that we can ask for to give back to the community, give everybody a second chance. Everybody deserves that, right? Everybody deserves that. Absolutely. Should we get to our episode? with, well, or, or do you have something else you want to talk about first? I love talking about The Boring Bar because oh, that's right. it's kind of fun. And you like I to like, drink. I like to drink. I like wine. There's no question about it. Everybody that listens to Making Chips knows that I like wine. But I love the Boring Bar. I love how we branded it at Making Chips here. I love what it represents. I love that it equips and inspires the metalworking nation in another format other than the podcast. So why don't you tell the people what they get when they subscribe to the Boring Bar. So They're not going to get a bottle of wine from us. No, no, No. but that might come eventually. So what they get is they get a curated and originally written articles from the Making Chips team on topics that are sometimes related to what we talk about on the podcast, but also could be a little bit different. We also highlight some of the videos that that we're also producing. And also, from what I understand from Chris Fox, our creative director, is that we're actually going to be putting original content into the Boring Bar that you can only get by subscribing to the Boring Bar. Yeah, that's what he just told us a couple hours yeah, ago. They're, actually, they're doing things without us, Jim. Can you I believe know. that? Autonomy, right? Shouldn't they be asking for permission They first? should. They should. Yeah, yeah. they really should. But yeah, they should put their hand up I guess up this, too. Is a good, this is a good thing, so well, I'm not going to complain. So in order to get onto the Boring Bar, all you have to do is text CHIPS, C-H-I-P-S, to 38470. And what happens is yeah, what we, don't, happens? we don't automatically harvest your cell phone number when that oh. happens. We actually we don't spam them with no, text we don't, messages. No, we don't spam you with text messages. All it does is it gives you a link that you sign up oh. for the newsletter. So it makes it easier it just to makes get it the easy. link. It's just yeah. an easy way for us to let people know how to get access to the Boring Bar. So text CHIPS to 38470. Very good. So, Jim, could you introduce our guest? I would be happy to. I, I enjoyed the few minutes already before we hit the record Yeah, I had to button. tell you guys to settle down I know. save it for the episode. Well, it, it's all good stuff, and he's, he's a wealth of knowledge, and it's going to be a good episode. So, yes, I'm going to read the guest bio, and Montez King is the executive director of NIMS, N-I-M-S, the nationally recognized organization responsible for developing national standards and competency-based credentials in manufacturing trades. Mr. King is responsible for overseeing all aspects of the NIMS operation, including administration, programs, and strategic planning. Welcome, Montez. Yeah, welcome, Montez. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. And we and you said you flew in to come and see us, and we appreciate that. And you also said that this was the last leg of a a little campaign tour that you've been doing on behalf of NIMS, and you've been doing things with what other organizations? Tell us briefly where you've been these last two weeks. Well, in these two weeks, I uh, participated in Top Shops for Modern Machine Shop magazine. I also spoke at a women in manufacturing conference, which had a that's great, a, a good group, about a little over a hundred people in that. They group. let you in. You're, yeah, you're not a woman. In. I, you know, I, yeah, I was rare. In okay, the group. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I. Worked with some partners, one of our bigger customers, Raytheon Missile Systems Division in Tucson, great. doing some great work for them. And uh, now I'm here. 
Great. And just to let everybody know that we this is our second attempt at scheduling. Yeah, that's right. Because you were supposed to fly in from Louisville, right? Or no? Uh, no, Chicago from, had the bad weather. Yeah, Chicago. We had a storm. Oh, you were supposed yeah. to come here in June, and it got canceled. Yeah. Flight yeah. got canceled. So, I was coming out of D.C. Yeah, yeah. dang those I airlines. I felt so bad. I said, I oh, no, I really wanted to be here. Yeah. So, Montez, one of the first things that Jim and I always ask people for is, what's your manufacturing story? And yours is a little bit different than, say, Jim and I, where you know we grew up in the family business. You actually have a video about your manufacturing story from our friend, Jeremy Bout, who we've had on Baking Chips many, many years ago. Jeremy Bout's from a company called Edge Factor, which also helps to educate young people in the the manufacturing industry. But I know you grew up on the west side of Baltimore, which from my understanding is similar to the west side of Chicago unfortunately known for its violence and maybe like some drug-related crimes. And now here you are, executive director of NIMS in the manufacturing industry, which I don't know if at the time you thought about manufacturing, but, and you were also brought to the White House. I mean, like, these are amazing things. Have we been invited to the White House yet? Not yet. Not yet. Oh my gosh. So tell the manufacturing leaders out there, tell us your manufacturing story. How did you go from Baltimore to NIMS and, and to be invited to the White House? Well, it's because of some old white guy that grabbed me and just shook me and said, hey, I'm looking for a few good black guys for this trade. (laughs) That's how I got started. I mean, that's how you sum it up. Touche. I was introduced that way. You know, you what is this a, gentleman's name? Benjamin Weber. Okay, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> oh, he was something else in his day. Okay. Yeah, we're, you know, we're actually having lunch when I get back, and he's about 85, 86 years old. Owns a manufacturing company? Retired. Yeah, maybe we should have Benjamin on the show. <laughs> yeah, he, too. he was actually my high school instructor. Okay. Oh, how cool. Yeah, I saw some kids. You know, you had two sides of the track. You had the nerdy kids, and then you had the kids that were kind of in the streets. And unfortunately, I was on the street side at that time. And there were some kids that were doing some really positive things, I thought, and I wanted to see what they were all about. They were talking about applying to this trade school that was on the other side of town. It was on the east side of town. Like, oh, wow, that's like, that's on the other side of the planet for me. And so I decided to apply, but my grades were really weren't that great. They were working hard to get into school, and I wasn't. And so I didn't get selected. They you were, did not <laughs> no, get selected. I was going for business administration. Can you believe that? Yeah. Business administration. So they said, I'm sorry, you didn't, you didn't get accepted. And I'm a grown man, but at that time, a couple of tears came down like wow you know I really wanted to make a difference and they said well is there anything else you can do and when we talked about the machine shop they said oh we have some openings for that (laughs) it didn't matter what your grades were for that one you can get in (laughs) that's manufacturing got bad grades in high school too (laughs) no I didn't I was good That was down the dark hallway. You know, the lights were flickering. The maintenance people didn't get down there too often. Yes, I do know. <laughs> that was how the shop class was. Yes. A lot of times. Uh, the, I was there. The machine tools had 1942 oh on the tags. Uh, they were World, World War II Oh, my God. Tags they're probably rock-solid machines, though. They probably still run today. <laughs> they're probably still running. What were they, horizontals and verticals? Oh, yeah, and... horizontals. They had a few knee-style mills. Yeah. I don't know if they were Bridgeport brand, but I know they had a few knee-style, but most of them were really old. But it all looked like the latest and greatest technology to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Very cool. Very cool. But tell us, how did you how did you make it to NIMS? How did you, how did you make it onto the White House Task Force? Well, I, I would say... Just, what were you asked to be on as a part of that task force? I, guess I, I, I was. I was asked. But working through my career, you know, I've always taken anything I did very seriously, whether it was good or bad. 
I always try to perfect it. When you first get into the industry, it's like, for me, it's like buying that car for the first time. You don't care if it's the right car, if it's reliable, you just want to get a car. Right. right. And then after when you're you, 16. Yeah, yes. when you're 16, right? You have that freedom oh, to do anything you want. Yes, yes, yes. And that's where I was when I came into the trade. But then as I started working in it, I'm thinking, I'm appreciative of this opportunity, but there are a lot of things that can be fixed here. And so over the years, I would perfect them. Even It didn't matter if I was getting paid. It didn't matter if it was being recognized. It was something I had to do for myself. So as I worked through the industry, you know, people started to recognize that, and I moved up. I moved mm-hmm. from a work-study student to an apprentice. You were a leader in your organization. Yeah, everywhere I went, mm-hmm. it just always resulted in that. And then uh, for every company I've went to, it was just a ladder for me. And even at NIMS, you know, I eventually became the executive director. So when you say you saw so many things that you didn't didn't make sense to you, what were those glaring things about the industry that was just just was a big roadblock for you? What did you know? What did you feel needed immediate change about our industry? Was it perception? Was it just the fact that we were laggers, lagging behind? We're not, we weren't leading industry types or or what? No, you know, it was not perception. The the minute I saw the machines, I was drawn in. For me, it was more about why are the companies awarding their employees, their machinists, for hoarding information? They were rewarding them for what they knew rather than what they know and what they can transfer to others. That was very bothersome for me Hmm. because I wanted to learn and everyone wanted to hoard all of their knowledge and skills. It's like toolbox notes. So how can you grow as a company if the person that's 60 plus years old retiring soon doesn't want to show the person that's 16 years old and trying to learn? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's a great point. That was actually one of the reasons we started making chips is we wanted to make this more of an open community where we exchanged ideas. Well, you know, the technology is forcing us out of this culture. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Because yes. years ago, I mean, you could identify what a journey person was, right? I right. mean, you can go from shop to shop and identify that. But today, there's no identity. You can say a journey person is someone who knows a lot of information and not have a lot of skills, but you can't really dial it down to what skills they have because technology, grow- is it, the velocity is so fast. Right, right. I mean, Jim always talks about how wise he is. And I'm like, what exactly do you know, Jim? I know I have a lot of great I know you do. fundamental. I'm just with you. That's okay. But you I wanna just be clear that when I say that, I definitely have a lot of fundamental machining skills that I've learned over the last few decades of being in the industry. And no one can ever take that away. But unlike many people my age that are hoarding information and don't want to give it away. I'm doing just the opposite. Well, those are the people that are not going to be successful. I've seen from my experience that they're, they're they're no longer successful. Yeah. I'm giving in mind that information away on the show to the entire world. And has it hurt you? It has not hurt me. It it's only, it's only made me a thought leader right, in the industry exactly. and, and, and really defined me as an expert. But enough about me. Montez, you're so right. And the mentality of manufacturing, old school manufacturing, was, and this is how I was raised, is everything is very guarded. Don't give away any information about anything. Hold it close to to your your heart because that guy down the street's going to steal your customers, your employees, and everything else. I lived that. 
for decades. That's how I was raised with that. So for me to transition out of that into where I'm at today has been not difficult, but it's, it's different. been it's been different. But I'm embracing it now and it's been very rewarding. So let's let's back up here. I have a love-hate relationship, everyone that listens to the show with acronyms. It seems like everyone's acronym crazy. Yeah, for the manufacturing nation out there, Jim's got his little book he writes them down into just so he can remember them all. Montez, what the heck does NIMS stand for? Okay, you And guys, what happens at your HQ? <laughs> are you guys ready for this? Sure. Yes. Okay. Should I, I'm going to write it down. You got to write this down. N has got to be national. No. Ah, see? <laughs> Go. NIMS stands for NIMS. See, we want to talk about the new NIMS. The new NIMS is just NIMS. The old NIMS is the acronym. Okay, okay. okay. I love this. So so you're getting getting rid of whatever it stood for before, which we have no idea. We just refer to it as NIMS. Now, we are... Let's not talk about it. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. let's not talk about it. I like that. I love that. Let's talk about the good stuff. Okay, the good stuff. Yes. So the new NIMS is the new NIMS. The new NIMS. It's just NIMS. It's just NIMS. So tell me about the new NIMS. Why is it different nowadays? How is it different than... When was that? 95. 95 is when it was founded. I think they started with the development in 94, and then it was legal in 95. Okay, so 1995. Yeah. When did we convert to new NIMS? When I started uh, as the executive director. (laughs) In what year? You know, it was... February 24th, 2017. Okay. Uh, so it's pretty yeah. young yet. Pretty young. Pretty young. Yeah. So what is the new NIMS doing differently than the old NIMS? And what do you want to tell the metalworking nation that's exciting about the new NIMS? Well, you know, we have seven principles when we are working with our customers on training. I'm not going to go over them all, but I think the first one is relevant to this conversation. And that is training from the end always train from the end. But the question is, what is the end? So I can give you like three different blocks to start with. Is it the job description? What about the competency or the being competent? Or is it the performance? And so there are some flaws out there in our training. If we're thinking that job descriptions, that's the end and that's what we should train towards. Even if you say competencies and we're a competency-based credentialing organization, you're still wrong. It's performance. And that's what we need. It's all about. We don't need. It's we all about. We talk about we do, it all we, the time. We don't need. I mean, resumes are nice, but a resume doesn't produce quality parts on time for our customers. No. And it doesn't matter if you say, I've received X training. I received Y training. It's performance. You can take someone out of MIT. If they can't perform, it doesn't matter where you came from. Well, an MIT guy is not going to help you. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> he might be smart, but he's not going to help you. And if you'll remember, that word performance came up when we interviewed all of our HR people, and we held pretty tight to performance equals compensation. Remember Mm -hmm. that? Remember that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So I hear you. I feel you. I know exactly what you're saying. That is a change for the manufacturing industry, and that is a change for an, an organization like yourself, which used to be about... It's about the competency. It's about the credentialing. It's about the certificate. It's about, I've achieved this, but it's like, well, what can you do for me? We pass a lot of credentials through our our system. 
each year, but we got to get the employers more attracted to the credential. So if we're focusing solely on competencies, there's no attraction because you're always going to get that same response that says, well, you've got the credential, but there's still a gap between what I need and what training has provided and the credential that you've earned. And so now we've, we're, we're switching that around. And, and so we're sending out this message because this is, and this is what we get from the employers. We don't make this stuff up. We absorb like a sponge from the employers and then we come up with solutions to match. And so if you put someone in a position of performance, let's just say you go through someone's training program, whether it's online whether you can say, hey, we're teaching CNC, we're teaching hands-on, we have all this great training. And even they earned the NIMS credential at the end. How are you measuring their performance? Now, performance requires an individual to operate within the responsibilities of the job description and draw upon the competencies that are associated with the job description. So that requires doing an analysis to form judgment and make decisions. And using the competencies to satisfy the decisions that you've made. If you're just measuring whether they're competent, you haven't measured the job performance requirements. If you're training towards a job description, you're just still going towards the competencies. So job descriptions and competencies rarely close the gap alone. If you could have a great student... You can have a great learner. I considered myself a a good learner back in my day because I always went above and beyond what was put in front of me. But that's rare as well. So if you're talking about the average person going through and you're training to these two, you believe that your job descriptions or your competencies are the end, you're going to typically have a gap. And so we, we help now the new NIMS. What we're doing is we're showing individuals or companies how to measure performance. And here's the other piece we're doing. I I teach quantum physics as well. Oh, nice. Wow. You're a smart guy. (laughs) Well, and that's more metaphoric. But I am saying we teach the laws of quantum physics, which is particle entanglement. We entangle the trainer and the trainee and the organization together. And it's a phenomenon where there's, a, there's an action here. You're going to get some spooky action at a distance from another particle, which we call those particles trainer, training. Let's look at that. You say, well, how, how does that work? Well, when we're measuring performance, we identify the key features or variables that an employer looks for in their performance. What are those areas that they have to make decisions? They have to operate within their platform. So we measure that. Now, we train to, we, we, we encourage to train towards that. That's training from the end. And if you are the, let's say, Jason, you are the trainee. So if there are 10 features, we're going to give you a zero or 10 for each feature. A zero is, it's wrong. A 10 is right. There's nothing in between. Oh, okay. okay? Zero is wrong. 10 right. is right. So if you are going to be judged on those 10 features or variables, they're synonymous. And Jim, you are the trainer. We're going to entangle you two together because you have to earn 10 points for each feature. That's 100 points. If you're responsible for training Jason for all 10 features, you are then being measured to see if you got a 10 rating. Yeah, I'm a reflection of You're a reflection. And now we're entangling you. So you are now a stakeholder and the responsibility of getting Jason where he needs to be. And Jason, you are responsible because you need to get a 10 on all features, particle entanglement. 
Nice. Well, it sounds like, you know, this new NIMS, forget about the acronym. We don't even care what that is anymore. Maybe maybe, maybe NIMS should be like this name of a person, like an embodiment or a caricature of what it means to be this high-performing individual or group of individuals in the manufacturing industry. Are you, are you, are you catching what I'm, I'm, what I'm, I'm throwing you. out to you? Okay. I'm right there. So, yeah. Yeah, As a I marketing mean, guy, I hope it's you like rebranded. It's like, did you, re, did you <laughs> rebrand the logo? You're giving me some ideas yeah, from it's like the woman calling... that got me here today. Her name is Lynn Gorman, and I'm thinking I'm going to pass. She needs okay. to listen to this. Maybe good, we can good. I mean, we call this... You're changing it. Yeah, so you is. need to rebrand. If you're going to rebrand, you need a logo to go. But, th- but think about this, Jim. You're going to call this person Nims. That's like his Isn't or it? her name, and they are your ideal person working in your shop because they embody and they perform at that high level. Hmm. That's what I'm thinking. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Do, are you a marketing major? I, I, I own a marketing company called this Making is- Chips. This is a marketing that, company maybe, as well. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, and we, we just so we just so happen to be manufacturers who are kind of marketing savvy as yeah. savvy as well. So Montez, why is having a standardization important to the industry, and what new technologies is NIMS employing to meet its vision? So let's break those two. Those it's really two questions, right? Why is having a standardization important to the industry? Pretty easy question, I would think. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's a simple question for us. You don't want to wander aimlessly. You need a standard. The only misconception or I would say erroneous messaging that you can get from standards is, does it solve our issues? No, it, it doesn't solve anything, but it's needed. If we were to consult with a customer and we didn't have any standards, how do we actually move forward? And so let's go in order. If I said you need someone in the shop who knows how to align work holding devices, you know what I was going to say? Indicate a vice in. Yeah. Now you can write that down, okay, and say this is what you need to do. But what's the standard for that? Now, should they have to tram? Should they do horizontal, vertical alignment? Maybe they have to indicate some type of rotary axis in. I'll now, tell you how to do it. What's the tolerance? Okay. I mean, if you did it and it's within a half a thou. I was going to say one okay, over a six one, inch vice. Let's say one, one over thousand. six. Okay, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's a standard. That's a standard. But if you don't put the standard down, then how do I know? And do it within 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Standards doesn't have to just be the behavior. You can no. also put the conditions on Of course. Yeah, so the yeah. conditions. And what about the resources that you provide? Let me give you another example. If I told you you have to set up a machine or you have to you know, set all of your tooling. If I gave you a probe, that's a different skill set. It sure is. If I didn't give you a probe, it's another skill set. Right. I'd take a one-inch shim and I'd touch everything off the top of my part and I'd come down by a half a thousandth until that till it pulled on that 1,000 piece of shim stock and then I'd set the tool. Exactly. But nowadays we have probes that do that just like that. So you could have two standards. We call them duties. Let's call it a duty. Let's call it work or tool setting. They can call that a duty. And those would be two fraternal duties, meaning they are the same, but they're slightly different. One is the resources have changed, even though the outcome needs to be the same. So that would be two fraternal duties. They can be identical duties if they're going towards two different roles. But in this case, the standard is fraternal. 
Love so it. that's 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 a standard. I mean, could you move forward without that standard? No. Well, I think it, it's rules. A standard is a rule. It's just like a law that says you can drive 55 miles an hour down the expressway, and if you go 85, you're going to get a ticket, right? You're breaking the rules. If the standard says you need to take a six-inch Kurt Weiss, put it on that vertical machining center, take out your indicator, put it on the quill, indicate it within one thousandth over six inches, and do that in under 20 minutes, that's a rule or a standard. Or a standard. Or yeah. a standard. But let, let's even compound that a little bit more. Okay. Because a standard, a, a quality standard doesn't just have learned behavior. We just told you learned behavior, right? You have to be able to indicate the six-inch vice, one thou within 20 minutes. I mean, let's say it's whatever, five minutes, doesn't matter. But that's not performance either. That's and alone. It's not performance alone because performance alone is you have a vice that has some type of belly in it. Oh, I mean the back, the hard jaw sure. might be yeah. out a little bit. Yeah. So you have to form and then do an, an analysis to form judgment. I have a bad vice and I need to make a decision. I need to go to better vice or I need to alert someone. See, so now you have you have the learned behavior. You have to be able to indicate it. But you also have the critical think. Those are learned behavior, learned practical skills. Yes. But what about the critical thinking skills? Yes. Or do you put a part in there and clamp it down and then indicate it? That's right. And how much pressure should you put on well, that part so and determine when? And, uh, 50 uh, foot pounds of pressure. Yeah. And, and, and so when you have, I have some critics out there that may say, they may be talking about the old NIMS and I could agree with them on many things. But when we're talking about the new NIMS, I can make a strong argument. And, but let's say I've got this great training program. I have the best training program. And if you're just focused on competencies, which is fine, because that's what your objective is, you cannot pan that off to say it is the answer because it can't do it alone. You have to measure performance. It's just like manufacturing and machining. If you can't check something, you can't make it. You can't have a machine that says, hey, this machine can hold 40 millionths over this distance and say it can do all these things and not have a measuring device that's 10 times more accurate than that. If you can't check it, you can't make it. And it's the same thing with performance. If you can't measure it, you can't train towards it. Jim, I thought you said you were busy. We are, Jason. We're, well, we're, 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 we're going to have a great year. I'm looking around, and I don't see any messy desks. I don't see any paper thrown about. Tell well, me what's going on. Well, first and foremost, it's part of our culture that we have low paper. But since we've been using ProShop ERP, the whole tactic behind using that ERP system is to go completely paperless. And we are dramatically reducing our paper flow through the entire facility. So you're not quite there yet, but the goal not, is to be totally paperless. We're not quite there yet, but we've only been using ProShop now for about nine months. Well, I got to be honest. I mean, most manufacturing leaders, when I when I go into their offices, I mean, there's stuff all over the place. Well, Prints I, and everything. You I know? think it, it, just, it just creates a clean system. If everyone knows how to utilize the system efficiently, then... The paperless thing will work. Uh, yes, it's hard for an old school guy like me to not have that print in my hand, but at the end of the day, we're moving in that direction. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. You can call our good friend, Paul. On episode 159, which we recorded at IMTS 
2018, we had a panel discussion about solving the skills gap. And a friend of ours, Titan Gilroy, he told me that I had permission to ask you this question or to you know present the, his quote here. What he said during our, our our skills gap discussion, which you know you're not talking specifically about skills gap, but there's some overlap here. He said, "I'm going to tread lightly, but I'm going to be truthful. I think that one of the problems with education is that everyone on the big boards are making the standards. They're not in manufacturing anymore." End quote. So I believe that what he's saying is that some of the problems with training the next generation and getting them excited about manufacturing is that these standards create like an intimidation factor for that new person to be a part of the manufacturing community, to run an expensive machine, and it actually raises the bar to getting people into manufacturing. How would you respond to that being a it's part actually, of... It's a pretty good question. Being a part of that you it's know, the, question. Like, the organization that creates the standards... It's a good question. Uh, let me first say that uh, Titan has done a great job revitalizing. Or I wouldn't even say revitalizing. I mean, just bringing life to the trade. He does a great job with that. Mm, he sure does. Yeah, he gets people excited. He gets you know, people excited. He's passionate. Yeah, very passionate. I always look at that as something that we need. So, you know, we need that type of passion. As far as the statement of what the standards are doing, I think that is erroneous in a way if, if you don't have all the information. Okay. And so with the information, what we're missing is you need standards for how, for what you're training. You got to have, you got to set a goal, right? You can't just aimlessly go out and train and not have a standard, but how you empower the standard. If you put the standard above everything else, like above performance, and then it could result in what Titan is saying. And that's where the new NIMS is to bring out that message and, and bring understanding to everyone about what the standards are used for. Once we develop the standards, they are there. It, it gives us our direction. It's the scope of things. But then we have to move to what is the most important, and that's performance. And even in his product, we're not, we don't provide training materials. He provides training materials. He has to look at his training material the same way. Your training material is not the answer to the employer. You're teaching competencies through your training material. Yeah, your answer to the, to the employee is, do I have a competent person in my shop who's going to get the job done yeah, the way yeah, I want them to? That's right. And so you have to measure performance. So we're always going to go back to that. Now, if you set the what features you are observing in your performance, then you're going to need someone like a Titans training program to, to make sure they have those competencies that they can draw upon. But when where NIMS comes in is you want the employer, you want a win-win situation. That's our seventh principle. We have seven principles. The first one is train from the end. The last one is win-win. Win-win meaning you measure the performance that is personal with the employer, but you associate that or you have entanglement to a industry-recognized credential for the employee. And so you recognize them for their competencies that they have attained throughout their training and through uh, and the job. So the performance is what the employer looks for. That's they, number two. That's, well, principle-wise? Yeah. No, no. Principle, the first one is trained from the end. That's what the employer wants. Okay. Where you, they want you to train towards the performance. Okay. The seventh principle is make it a win-win. That's where our credentials come in. So someone like, or an organization like NIMS and Titans program, that they, they work together. That's right. not something you separate. You work together. But you got to follow the principles. Do you want all the principles? I can give you I some. do. Give us all the principles, okay. yeah. I'm going to go. So I've got one, two, three. We need three, four, five, and six. Before you even go to those principles, which we would like to hear, what Titan might be referring to is the old NIMS 
which stood for something that we're not going to talk about and we don't care anymore, as opposed to the new NIMS, which is the embodiment of who this high-performing individual or community is. Yeah, the new NIMS develops performance measures that reflect the manufacturing industry. So the first principle is trained from the end, yep. and we've already discovered that the end is performance. It's not job descriptions and competencies. The second is create a stakeholder environment. Create entanglement between the operations, between the tra- trainee and the trainer. Now, I'm going to give you an example of how we measure, how we measure the entanglement. We use three bars, one bar for each stakeholder. One stakeholder is the organization or the employer. One is a trainer. One is a trainee. Those three bars. We don't need numbers. We can use the bars. So think about it. You have to use your imagination here. You got three bars that are side by side. The first bar is you. It's always from the perspective of you. The second bar is everyone else. That's everyone except you. And then the third bar is the goal of the organization. So you, everyone else, and the goal. For every perspective that you measure, it's always three bars. Now, I want to show you so some- So think of this as like somebody's doing a high jump in the Olympics and you got a bar you got to jump over. Is that the kind of bar you're talking about? Possibly. Let, let, I'm trying to bring a visual to this. Possibly. I was good with the three bars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you like visuals, Jim. I'm seeing three bars, though, in my head. I'm seeing myself three, three standing bars. there, and then I'm seeing all, everybody else in my company, and then I'm seeing... You said bars, and Jim immediately started yeah. talking, <laughs> thinking about no. <laughs> wine, where? <laughs> let's, or let's, boring bars. Let's tag it on you, what you're saying, Jason, the height of the bars, because that's the pattern. So let's say you have three bars the same height all the way across. No numbers. We don't care about numbers. Three bars, the same height. What does that say? That says you, if he's looking from your perspective, you have met the goal. Right. It says everyone else has met the goal. Your goals are in alignment with each other. Yeah, and the company met its goals. But let's say the bars are you are the lowest, everyone else is the highest, but neither one has met the goal. That means you are not as good as everyone else. Everyone else is not as good as the goal. Let's say you have you higher than the goal or higher than everyone else. Everyone else is lower than you, but both of you are still less than the goal. So it sends another message. And then you can have where you met the goal and everyone or vice versa. Or you'd be like us in the room where our bar is higher than the other three bars because we're overachievers. There you go. <laughs> All you need is three bars to measure your performance. And the entanglement, we talked about that, the stakeholder environment, is that if we're measuring the trainee and there are, let's say, let's say your, your company, you're going to send 100 people through this performance measure and there are 10 features. If there are 10 features, 100 people going through, there's 1,000 scores that you're looking for. So your goal is to get 1,000 in your goal bar for looking at the training. Okay, so the trainer looking at Jason, you, you may have received out of 10, 60. And Jason, you are responsible for three of those scores because you taught Jason. You are both being rated. Even though you're the performer, you're the trainer. Right. You see, that's the entanglement. Okay. And so that's the stake. That's part of creating a stakeholder environment. The third is separating trainers and evaluators. So if, Jim, if you are training Jason, you cannot be in the room when Jason is being evaluated. Okay. You're not in the room. That's the third principle. You have to separate that because we want you to be a stakeholder and we don't want you to have any bias in, in Jason's success other than training. The fourth is separate your training environments. 
When I was an apprentice, your training environment was your supervisor saying, hey, you're going to work over here today because I need you here. And sometimes it was working over here because I don't like you. You, you never know what it is. We want to make an even playing field for training. So in other words, training for the skills is separate than production. Production is procedural training. That's where you're learning to work with others, seasoning experience, documentation, processes. But when you're getting skill training, it's outside of production, even though it's still on the job. So that's part of entanglement because you want the company to make a commitment that says, I'm going to give five to 10 hours a week training my people, and I'm going to make it conducive for them to learn. And then they apply it in the other environment, which is the production environment. So that's the fourth principle. The fifth principle is true competency-based, meaning the only association with time when it comes to training is the tolerance. How long you will tolerate someone to learn a specific goal of training. That's the only association. Other than that, the start and the end point are variables because no one starts with a blank slate. We all start at different levels. So your starting point- I mean, point a, that, a different skill set. Yeah, different skill sets. So yeah. your starting point is going to be slightly different. So is that like, you can correct me if I'm, if I'm off in the wrong direction, but this would be like Jim could be hiring at- a couple different points in time. He could be hiring somebody that literally needs to get on the machine tomorrow and be producing quality parts, or he could be hiring somebody that is an apprentice and is just kind of gearing into the the flow and he might be doing some shipping and receiving while he's yes. contributing to the company and learning how to be a machinist. Exactly. Their starting points are different, even though they totally may have different. the same goals. And so the end point is not the same as well because everyone learns at a different pace. So your starting end points are variables. Your time is only associated with your tolerance, your maximum. That's the fifth principle. Now, the sixth principle is true validations. True validations. Not saying I passed the training program. We have a great training program and check the box off and say you passed it. Or say I earned a NIMS credential. That's not true competency-based. Mm, I can't believe you're saying that. Oh, absolutely. The credential, this is the new this NIMS. Is the the new NIMS. This is the new NIMS. The, I'm a little... The credential is only wow. satisfying the competencies that you yes, have. Yes, of course. The training says you have something that leads me up to earning the credential for the competency. The performance requires you to draw upon the competencies and the environment the employer is putting you under in the shop. That's true validation. You measure the performance, not whether they have the competencies or not. That's associated with performance. So that's the sixth principle. The seventh principle is win-win. You want to make it a win-win situation so the company or the organization gets what they need. Give the employer something. And you have some people say, well, I don't want my people to get certified because they'll leave me. Okay, well, just treat them right, and they won't leave exactly. you. Exactly. Right. Then, then it's a culture problem. Yeah, it's a, it's a culture issue. That's not a credential issue. Mm, nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it, but that's the misconception that, that is associated with what they've earned. But they've decided long ago to leave you. They just used you to get the credentials, but they decided that long ago. Yeah, I mean, it should almost be win-win-win based on the stakeholders. That's you right. you got those three stakeholders. you got the and, three stakeholders. Yeah. you got to have particle entanglement. There you go. Thanks. Don't great. break the laws that of physics. That was awesome. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> Montez, so 
I asked a couple of manufacturing leaders just for their thoughts on you coming in for an interview here and, and what they thought about NIMS. And I got a response back from a gentleman who said this to me. I can tell as an owner of a decent sized shop in our region, I'm not looking at a specific trading path or accreditation when I'm looking to hire. I'm looking for people that, depending on the exact skill level I need at the time, can exhibit the necessary skills to the job and more importantly, fit the culture of the company I'm building. So if someone comes in with the NIMS accreditation, Great. I know that they likely have the skill to do the job I need. Again, he's talking about skills, not performance, but we're talking about the new NIMS here. Same if they've been through online training. Same if they started 20 years ago as a manual machinist and can run every machine in my shop now. However, regardless, they still have to fit my culture to be successful, which is what Jim opened up. My question to you that, that I thought about the first time is, you know, what do you think about this outlook on training and accreditation? You just busted that with the new NIMS. I mean, the new NIMS is not about, it's just about the skills. It's about that performance that comes into. So does that, I guess I'll ask you a different question. These new manufacturing leaders are more savvy, I would say, than the old manufacturing leaders. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree, Jim? You're more savvy than your dad. This gentleman, Mike, is well, more savvy than the person that owned his shop previously. And they're demanding what you're now giving them. So kudos to you for being there. Does that make you feel better about what the new NIMS is all about? It does. This question that you're asking, it's we just tough. answered Yeah, we just answered we it. Just but, answered but that it. should make you feel better, like mm. you're on the right track. Mm. And the manufacturing leaders out there are demanding. They're demanding this from NIMS. They're demanding this performance-based training as opposed to skill or accreditation-based training. Yeah, absolutely. We get we get our solutions or our solutions are emerge from the the issues that the employers are having. Right. And so we have to listen to that. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you'll get employers saying competencies don't do anything for me. And and it doesn't mean that, I'm sorry, uh, credentials. And it doesn't mean that they are wrong and it doesn't mean they're right. Yes, it doesn't answer. I want to read this statement that I wrote. This is my statement. Go ahead. Go, go <laughs> for it. You, Say it eloquently. It. So true performance validations goes beyond establishing well-defined job descriptions or competencies. Competencies are synonymous to credentials. Developing training around job descriptions and competencies rarely closes the gap between training and job requirements alone. This rarity is due to not having a reliable method to measure performance at all levels. It does not matter how well one trains if one cannot measure the desired performance. Performance measures, or PMs as we refer to, translate job descriptions and competencies into practical experiences that reflect what employees will face on the job. That is the key. And it's a Beautiful. combination of them all. It's a combination of the Titans training platform. And it's a combination of NIMS credentialing platform. And then the employer, here's that entanglement, defining what that performance is and then measuring it. I mean, we've all had that person that we've hired where from a resume standpoint, he looked like he was going to be great and he didn't meet the bar. He didn't, he didn't perform. You don't know about performance until that person steps on the job on your shop floor and starts performing right but i guess montez is trying to say well that's what we're trying to solve and here's another thing i'm saying i'll have critics out there that says you know whether your credentials are valuable now i'm going to flip the script is your training platform the right one you have to always measure yourself as well right so the measurement goes both ways you can't say, well, the, creden the credentials don't mean anything, but the training does. So I'm going to give you an example of how our system allows us not just to measure performance, but it measures the training as well and the credential. Let's look at it this way. We talked about the three bars, right? And we said, what happens if you have three bars the same height? 
That means you have met the goal, everyone else has met the goal, and the company's satisfied because everyone's met their goal. Okay, so those are the three bars. But suppose there's still a gap between what the employer needs and what was done to get the trainee there. You have a responsive program because you know now that either the trainee or credentials and or both are not relevant to your performance requirements. So now I have a tool that I can use to determine if I need to update my training or update the performance measure might be need to be updated. The credentials might need to be different credentials. The standards might need to be updated. Now you have the tools to do that, and it only takes three bars. Montez, we talked in the beginning of the episode about IMTS 2018 and 2020. Is there anything that you can tell the metalworking nation, the making chips metalworking nation first, that you are unleashing to the manufacturing leaders at IMTS 2020? Well, we're really excited about 2020. I'm always excited with IMTS. Oh, you we know, are. Get to yeah, see we are too. With machines, it's, it's very exciting. It's amazing how a trade show can get people so excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I've never it. been to a trade show that people don't just get, they look forward to for over a year. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but this one's special. 2020 is special. We've been pushing performance measures or known as PMs, right? Mm-hmm. Some people say that's preventive maintenance, right? Yeah, yeah. it is. Sure it is. Yeah. yeah. Performance measures are preventive maintenance. Right. <laughs> that's true. Okay. There you go. We can <laughs> quote you on that, right? <laughs> you can quote me on that one. We're creating the ultimate PM for 2020. Okay. The whole goal of having PMs is to have, you can have one credential. Let's say it's called a CNC turning operator credential. Okay. But you can have a different PM for every credential or for for the same credential. So you can have a multitude, a curated repository of PMs that individuals use. Some shops make big parts. Some shops make small parts. You can earn the same credential. That's the beauty of PMs. Okay. But we're creating the ultimate PM for 2020. One area that we've seen in manufacturers today is recognizing the need for teamwork. Oh, it's great. Teamwork. In the past, it was one machinist, you did everything from the rooter to the tutor. It's the culture I grew up. You you went to the saws, you took it to the mills, right. lays, whatever it was. Right. We yeah, don't but operate. it's not your father's machine shop anymore. No, it's not. We don't work that way anymore. And it requires teamwork. So you need someone from a programming perspective, from a tool design perspective, from the machine operator, setup person, from an operator. It even goes into maybe outside operations. You have to bring everyone together. There may be a welder involved. And so they have to work together as a team. This PM will require multiple skill sets to come together. Think about this. Oh, okay, okay. It's, All come together. Right. The machinist or at the, from the lens of, a machine, of the machine, programmers, welders, Automation, industrial maintenance, metrology, they're all coming together. So design. You design. So you're not just focused on the individual. No, no, yeah. it's the team. So if you win as a team, there's no individual in this in the winner. It's it's as a team. So now let's, let's, let's really look at this carefully here. So they all have to come together and solve a problem. They have to machine a large portion of components and make it a product but they also have to test the product. Manufacturers can't just build and send their products out without testing its duty cycles. So they have to build a test unit, design it and build it, and they have to get into Industry 4.0 as well. So they're connecting it to another device, which gives them information about how the test unit is working, how the product is working. That's beautiful. And 
They're going to bring in crowd. They're going to bring a crowd, draw a crowd appeal by having the crowd vote on their creativity. Oh, the so, crowd, the yes, audience is the going audience, to vote. Audience, the spectators. Will How long also are they vote. going to get to present their? Well, it's it's going to be three to four day competition. Okay, and they're going to display. Now, their functional work is very objective. It's either right or it's wrong. Right, right. but their creative work, they have to. They're going to be forced to design geometry that requires synchronized five-axis machining. Wow. Okay? and But they can't just go crazy and design something without checking it. Because if you can't check it, you can't make it. So they can go as crazy as they want on a design, taking five-axis machining to its limits. But they whatever they design, they have to be able to do a first article inspection on it. And that's what the crowd will vote on. So they got the functional side to make sure they can control and they can build, and they can test, and they can work together as a team. You got the creativity for the design. And anything they design and build, they have to create and annotate all of the drawings, whether it's mechanical, pneumatics, hydraulics, all the symbols have to be there. It has to be to a standard. It has to be to a standard. Mm-hmm. And they have to also create an operations manual of whatever they build. Wow. 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 Is that a competition? Would you hire someone yes. from that team? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That absolutely. is performance. Don't talk to me about the training. Right. Can they perform? So what does the winner get? It's going to be a pretty big surprise. Uh, yeah. Big, big okay. prize. Okay. I, I, don't I mean, know I know exactly they're going to get it, but it's going to yeah. be big. I, I mean, well, uh, you're asking. That's, they get a, bragging. You're asking that's a, a big task. That's a big investment. Yeah. They're getting bragging rights. Yeah. Yeah. So getting... do, do teams apply to be a part of this or individuals are going to be put on a team? I mean, so we're, have you we're figured planning, that part out question. yet? We're planning qualifying rounds. Okay. So those are like regionally? Yeah, regionally. Okay. And we'll, we're going to have several of those this year. This fall, we're going to have some. Okay. And I think there's another round of qualifying rounds in the early part of 2020. But the project, so the performance measure for 2020 will be released somewhere around the first of the year, first of 20. So they get practice. They can practice. They can practice. Okay. All okay. the way up. But okay. When it comes to the That's competition. That's in three months, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're you know that's what we work sixteen hours a day on. Yeah. My, yeah. my my team, we're working on. Yeah, that. it's very powerful. Yeah, very powerful. You were going to say when it comes to the the day of. Well, once it's released, they can they can train towards that. But on the day of the competition, you may be able to perform outside the competition. But how do you perform under sweaty palms? Right. And because that's what you and will that goes face. to changing the environment. That's right. That's yeah. right. And and employers are looking for that. So. Are these individuals that are going to compete in the in the pre qualifying or teams? Are like do you have to put your own team no, together? No, I have to put a team together. You, so you the do? team that you work okay. with in the qualifying, you're bringing them. To, okay. Yeah, this is. What, uh, what if somebody's like, I'm a great programmer, I want to be a part of this, but I I don't have a team that I can rely on. Can they join a team, or they have to figure that out themselves? Absolutely, I will leave information for your 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 listeners. Okay. And this is where they can get in contact. And, okay. And start. And, it and, sounds and exciting. It, it does it sound is, exciting. It is something that. Oh, here's another piece I didn't add. They have to do material and cost management. Okay. So Interesting. The cost of their build, they're being charged an hourly rate for all the equipment that they're using, and the amount of time that they put in. So they can decide: Do I want four people at this rate, or do I want three people and get less than uh, less getting charged less than hours, but it's going to take me more time? 
How what about like their consumables and all that kind of stuff? All of that. So yes. maybe I can sponsor a team and give them like free tooling and then they can end up being the winners. You know, I could be hey, part look, of that. You know, if the prize is big enough, I might have my own personal team. <laughs> Train them. Maybe we need to talk but about yeah, this, Jim. I think Jim. I'd rather have more people on the team and less time to get it done. But they have to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, And they Jim. have to look at, we don't give one for one on equipment. So if there are three teams and let's say, there are, or let's say there's five teams, we're not going to give you a machine each. You have to schedule your time for what's available. Where is this going to take place? Is it going to take place at, at like IMTS proper in McCormick Place? Yes, that's correct. Oh, wow. Is it, is it going to be kind of visible to the audience? Visible to, to the watch, audience. Watch so they're going to be yes. menu- Like in a so centralized you're location? Gonna, you're going to take a machine, let, let's say, in Okuma. Mm-hmm. And they're going to... Well, it won't be in Akuma. It will be Haas. Okay. Okay, So Haas is a... Yeah, they're a sponsor of this. Yeah, they're sponsoring this. Okay. Okay. So... Well, one of the sponsors. Yeah. yeah. Lincoln Electric. You have other sponsors. Sure. Yeah. But as far as them machining the parts, it's only going to take place on a Haas machine. Yes. Okay. Because they're scheduling time... They're all using those same machines. They're all using oh, this. the same identical machine. Yes. Oh, yes. They're okay. scheduling their time because you can't, you, you can't. You can't measure performance that way if right. you're switching up. A five X's versus a three X's. No, no. Okay. So you have to have some standards. Yeah. Standards. Yeah. It's a standard. yeah. standards. There we go. <laughs> because they have to train towards that standard for months before they actually right. show up. Right. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's, that's interesting. That sounds like the new NIMS is definitely not the old NIMS, which is kind of like we've talked about before, Jim. Stop. You know, the cool. old, you know, it's not your father's machine shop anymore. It's not your father's NIMS anymore. It either. is not. I made a commitment that I would I change it. this company yeah. Yeah. and make it more relevant to our industry. Love it. Great. Congratulations, well, Montez. That's awesome. Yeah, that is I that's love, fantastic. I love Thank that you. you're doing that because I think the industry needs that. And Nobody wants to be old school anymore. Everyone wants to be new school. And the new generation of manufacturers need to embrace new ideas and representation and new standards. New standards. There we go. Yes. <laughs> standards are still relevant. Standards yeah. are still relevant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Matez, thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We, it's we been a appreciate you. And, you know, like, we'll definitely, I'm happy to meet you. And I hope this turns into a, a better relationship between, you know, NIMS and making chips. I think that's fantastic to have you here. Thank you, guys. You're thank welcome. you. All right. My pleasure. So, what do you think, Jim? It's not uh, what you expected, right? Not at all. Not at all. I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but I'm, very pleasantly surprised to hear about new NIMS and everything in Montez is trying to change and making a paradigm shift in our industry. Because I love change. Yeah. I, I love change. Yeah. I think it's powerful and I think it's important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Do you think that that competition, I know you guys are busy, so that kind of makes yeah, it tougher. Yeah, I thought about but I mean, that for you- about 30 seconds. I know, I know. I, I mean, but, you know, ugh. you definitely got to tell your guys about it. And I don't know. We need to find out eventually from, from Montez what that prize is going to be. And maybe that'll spark a whole new motivation for, for competing this. You never know. You never know. You yeah. never know. Because if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. The, Since we don't, we're not going to talk about our companies today.
are, you seem upset about that. No, I'm not. I'm not going to okay. cry. I know you <laughs> like to talk about yourself a lot, but and I'm sorry to cut that off for you. But I know. You know. Next time. You, There's always you almost next do week. look like you're going to cry. No, about I'm not going to cry. Okay. 